0: The known universe, with its heroes and marvels. But, what of the darkness? In our modern world, this is where monsters dwell. Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast.
1: (laughs) Hello again, Tomb Believers. You're listening to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I'm Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. And James, this is it. We're at the finish line. I can see it. We're really close. We have come to the final issues of Heroes Reborn. Praise Mephisto! (laughs) <laughs> tell you, if, if this event had gone on any longer I was going to need a reality altering cube of my own
0: yeah luckily we don't have any super long events in our near future to uh, look forward to on the show
1: right certainly nothing uh, involving a huge number of tie-in issues and mutants right stares at camera <laughs> Is it sad that I'm now looking forward to Inferno, because having done Inferno means that I can justify pushing for us to do Dark Web?
0: Oh no, that is absolutely in the (laughs) plans. I'm thinking, like, 2024, we're doing
1: Dark Web. I've not read Dark Web, but it seems like it's kind of an Inferno sequel.
0: Uh, But it has your favorite character in it, Trey.
1: Oh. (laughs) Or Ben. Or Or Ben. Or Ben.
0: Um, yeah, so we are actually at the end of our Heroes Reborn coverage. And you know, guys, we, we're, we're talking like, you know, we hated this crossover, and really, we haven't. No, uh, it's fun. It is, it's lots of fun. And speaking of lots of fun, on this episode, we'll be looking at Heroes Reborn Night Gwyn, number one. Heroes Reborn number seven, Heroes Reborn Weapon X and Final Flight, number one. And heroes return,
1: number one. That's right, and you know, I, I think as with any big crossover event like this, a bit of a mixed bag.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even this episode is like going to be a little bit of a mixed bag.
1: Sure, sure. And but, but I think we'll have fun with. It. Um, yep. And and, and I, I hadn't realized until we were doing these recordings, especially sort of in the last two or three episodes, this event is really Nighthawk heavy.
0: Really Nighthawk heavy.
1: Like, you can tell, even it, I'm not sure that it was planned that he would be the breakout character of this event, Mm-mm. but it makes total sense that he's the one who then went on to show up in the Avengers book.
0: Oh, yeah, because he's he's Marvel's Batman now.
1: Right, right. And, and, you know, and they can play with the fact that there have been other Nighthawks in the Marvel Universe and, and I would not be surprised if they they put this guy on on a uh on a defender's team at some point
0: yeah well you know uh, like the the last time uh they did a big squadron supreme series the ult- whatever it was ultimate squadron or whatever it was called uh, something like that yeah something like that he was the big breakout character for, uh, yeah it, of course he was very different there but still interesting
1: character I mean people love Batman and people love character's derivative of Batman.
0: Yes. And this is an interesting spin on the Batman character.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, but it is it is funny that especially this version in particular with his powers sort of waxing and waning with the night, kind of just made him Moon Knight without the dissociative identity disorder.
0: Uh, he's a... I want to say he's more stable than Moon Knight, but it really isn't.
1: Let's, well, I mean, yeah. So he's not... He, his mental hangups are different from Moon Knight's. Yeah, yeah. But 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 the the power the the power difference between him and Batman is basically the same as Moon Knight and Batman.
0: You know, it's funny you talk about um, Nighthawk versus Moon Knight because mm-hmm. on our Instagram page, oh actually... hey,
1: did, I did a segue without knowing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, good 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 job, Trey. Good job. Here, <laughs> have a, yeah, have a cookie. Ooh,
1: ooh, no it.
0: I mean, those are definitely not raisins. Oh. Those are left over from the tomb. Sorry about that. <laughs> Our Instagram, where I actually posted a poll where I pit, pitted Nighthawk, this version of Nighthawk, against Moon Knight. And um, rather surprisingly to me, rather surprisingly to me, um, Nighthawk's getting trashed. He's getting tra- trounced.
1: That's um, right. Uh... My boy, Mark Spector, winning the fight.
0: But, like, in an actual fight, Nighthawker would win. I'm just
1: saying. Uh, that depends on the circumstances, I think.
0: Yeah, um, so, somehow, I'm assuming Trey employing playing bots, uh, Moon Knight is <laughs> winning uh, the poll with 75% to Nighthawks' 25%. Yeah,
1: uh, see, so I, I taught an AI to respond to Instagram reels. Then,
0: then our show should be making more money, Trey. i was just saying. <laughs> Because <laughs> currently, it makes zero.
1: Right, right. Well, just, just wait. Eventually, we'll figure out how to teach the AI to do the show for us.
0: I mean, that is actually a thing you can do. <laughs> I, I did find an AI program to do that.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I don't need you. I just need recordings of you.
1: Right. You just stitch together syllables into whatever words you want.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, that got... Dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, AI is depressing.
0: <laughs> AI
1: is just so depressing. Somehow this is Hank M's fault. I don't know yeah. how yet. Yeah. Who
0: needs friends when you have AI? <laughs> Wait, isn't that the cat that the the guy from like the first
1: two seasons of Picard? I have not watched the first two seasons of Picard.
0: Oh. Hmm. Ri- that means you haven't watched the third season of Picard. I have not. Well, then, I will not spoil it for you. I apologize.
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, first season looked like a downer. I haven't made it through that yet.
0: Uh, The first two seasons of Picard are definitely a downer. Yeah. Third season's a bit more fun, but I won't tell you why.
1: Yeah, I I get that vibe just from what's made it onto social media. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before we get into the comics, and and I guess we can cut this into anywhere in the episode, but uh, since our last episode... Came out. We have both, or since we recorded last episode, rather, we've both seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Oh yeah, we
0: have. Uh, we 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 saw that movie. We did not see it together, even no, un- un- unknowingly. Time. Like we like how we saw right. A, a quantum. We made
1: it. I think we saw it on the same day, but different locations at different times.
0: We did. I went to the Sand Hills Regal.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. You went to my side of town, and I went near where neither of us. Uh, which one do you go to? Uh, the Harbison AMC. Why? The time uh, worked for you. The time worked for me. Uh, the uh, they. I was able to get a matinee screening of the Prime 3D, sort of Ooh. their proprietary version of IMAX.
0: Did you get one of the ears with like the recliner seats?
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Ah, that's why you uh, went to that one. Okay, now they, I understand.
1: And, now. and really good sound. Like the the Prime room, Prime screening room. There's like subwoofers built into the recliners or something. Um, plus, AMC still has Coca-Cola products unlike like, Regal.
0: Ah, yeah, I I go the cheap route. I go whatever they had at Target or the gas station before I got <laughs> to the theater.
1: <laughs> that's that's fair. That's I mean, I I am all about supporting movie theaters and paying concessions when it makes sense too. But I'm not going to pay ten dollars for a soda that I don't like.
0: Yeah, unless and I don't like Pepsi products, unless. There is a really cool Commemorative Cup.
1: That Sure, yes. That's fair.
0: Um, I did get the Commemorative Cup for Dungeons & Dragons. However, it was the Regal one, not the AMC popcorn bucket, which is sad because the AMC popcorn bucket is so much cooler.
1: It is very cool,
0: yes. It's very nice. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the one I got from Regal has Chris Pratt on it. It's not, not Chris Pratt, Chris um, Pine Chris on it. Chris Pine. So.
1: The good Chris. The good Chris. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Not the not the evil Chris, and then the, and then we have Chris Hemsworth, who's just I guess the himbo Chris. Although what's Evans now? Evan? Chris. I
1: don't know. He's off doing like whatever direct to streaming stuff the Russo brothers want to do, right?
0: Yeah. And I and I'm actually going back to Guardians. I'm kind of um I'm kind of eh, on Chris Pratt. Like
1: he's fine. Like, he, fine. he's fine in that movie.
0: Yes, he's um, good in that movie. He,
1: the the thing that. The thing that distinguishes this from the second... The second one really rests on his shoulders a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Because so much of the movie is about his relationship to Ego. Mm-hmm. The third movie is not his movie. No.
0: And before we get, get really get into that, um, guys... Uh, we like the movie. You yeah. should go see the movie. Um, yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. Um, does this call for a spoiler gate?
0: Um, how about this? Whoever's editing this episode... Um, Tell the people now what time code they need to jump to.
1: Yeah, good call, good call.
0: And then we're going to talk some spoilers if you guys don't mind too much.
1: Yeah. Hi there, Tomb Believers. This is Trey from the future, and I am letting you know as I edit this episode that if you've not seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 yet, you're going to want to jump ahead to time code 26minutes. That's the end of the segment where we go to a commercial break and uh, pick up again with our heroes reborn conversation. So, again, uh, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, you want to hear our thoughts, keep listening. Uh, but otherwise, if you want to skip some spoilers, jump to twenty six minutes. That said, back to your regularly scheduled episode.
0: And uh, yes, do do please lower the spoiler spoiler
1: gate. <laughs> So, Guardians
0: of the Galaxy, even yeah. Um, this is not the Owl's movie.
1: No, no, no.
0: Although the Holidays movie was fun.
1: Sure, sure, yes, I remember that one. That was that was fun. Um, I I really liked this movie.
0: It's real good. Um, it's really Rocket's movie.
1: Hundred percent. It is the culmination of his story, and it pays off a lot of things that were being seeded as far back as Guardians Volume 1 without anybody really even realizing they were being seated. Yeah. Uh, It's not a perfect movie. Sure. Well, most Marvel movies aren't.
0: No. It's a a little overlong. I think there's a big chunk in the middle that can just be cut out. Despite how much I enjoyed seeing Nathan Fillion.
1: So I would argue I I think it could be trimmed. I don't think you take it out. Okay. Um, I think it's important that we see a sort of it serves the same purpose as the prison breakout in the first movie
0: yeah for those who, those who maybe your memory's foggy of the film this is of course the extended heist sequence where they um, have to recover um, the genetic code for Rocket in right, the film right. and Nathan Fillion um, shows up as the head of the security team
1: yes and James Gunn's wife is uh, the sort of dispatch person on the microphone Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, She was also, uh, I forget her, uh, Jennifer Holland, I think is married to James Gunn now. Um, Okay. uh, She's also in the Peacemaker TV series. I need to watch
0: Peacemaker, especially after this movie. Um, After this movie, I really want to watch Peacemaker, and I'm really,
1: really excited for Superman Legacy. Yes, I thought Peacemaker was fantastic, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to James Gunn's take on the dc universe in general um but but yeah i I would argue that that middle section is necessary but could have been shorter um Mm -hmm. i i think it does some some useful things character wise in terms of setting setting some things about character relationships that then pay off later in the movie Mm -hmm. um the the stuff with again it's not so much the way the heist plays out because ultimately they don't even get the thing they're looking for um but but in terms of of doing some interesting things with the relationships of Mantis and Drax, of uh, Quill and Gamora, uh, the way Nebula interacts with both Quill and Gamora, uh, all of that stuff is is interesting and useful and I think important to the film. Um, but I do agree with you that that it does feel a little bit flabby in the middle.
0: But oh man. The last bits, the like, the third act. Ooh, the third act hits and it hits hard.
1: Honestly, if I was going to trim things, I would start with some of the stuff on Counter Earth.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could have really had the heist part all on Counter Earth. You could and have trimmed that uh, down,
1: but but the all of the stuff. It's funny. It's entertaining, but all of the stuff in the like random animal person's house in the suburbs is pure fluff. You know, you don't actually need it. You don't learn anything new in that section. It, it's just there so that they can yell at Drax over and over again about putting his feet on the sofa.
0: It's also there to build sympathy for the residents of Counter-Earth. Sure. Because they're about to die.
1: Yes, that, I, I agree with that. And, and that is important. I I think it could that could have been done in a way that didn't feel so much like stopping the movie cold. Hmm. Um But... But even even that, like I, I these these criticisms are quibbles. I love the yes. movie
0: as it was. Yes. Soundtrack's amazing.
1: Great needle drops. Um some some are repeat, some most are new to this movie, uh, yep. but good all around. Yep. And yeah, like I think and and I, you know, could be recency biased, but this one cracked the top ten for me, maybe even top five in terms of MCU.
0: Yeah, I think I think we both enjoyed Quantum Mania. Uh, for it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And like Quantum Mania is down here. Guardians Three is up here.
1: Yeah, Quantum Mania sort of ended up somewhere in the middle. You know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fine as an MCU movie that is setting up stuff for the future. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really what I wanted from an Ant Man movie. No. You could basically tell that same story with Iron Man or Doctor Strange or anybody connected to either science or magic could do a version of Quantumania. Um, The the size-changing stuff is almost secondary to the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, Guardians Volume 3 is the distillation of everything that makes the previous Guardians movies work.
0: Yes. All right. Um, So, yeah. And, you know, I'm really surprised we didn't lose any Guardians.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, I think, I, I appreciate it because I went in prepared to because the conversation among fans going in was not if anyone would die, but who would die. Mm-hmm. You know, would I, it be Drax? Would it be Rocket? Would it be Quill?
0: I think I think the 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 heavy hinting that Rocket would die in a trailer was a. I knew that was a red herring the whole time.
1: Right. A lot of people seemed to think that that was a red herring and that Drax would be the one who dies.
0: I thought about that, too. Yeah. Uh, it, but it turns out it's just the people, no one dies. They just leave the team unless they can be done by CGI and voiceover, in which well, case they stay.
1: <laughs> none of the team died. An entire planet of people died. <laughs> okay, point. <laughs> mm. RIP, <sighs>
0: R- 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 Counter Earth. Although, yeah. this is coming from somebody who always hated the idea of Counter Earth.
1: It never made sense to me.
0: No, ever since like I first saw it in like Spider Man Unlimited, trendy. Yeah. Oh Spider-Man yeah. Un- yeah. You remember Spider Man Unlimited? The, the yeah.
1: The, 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 the crappy. Want to be Batman Beyond? The
0: want to be Batman Beyond. Like really, that's what they were going for. It came out like a year after Batman Beyond. Yeah. And it's basically they rushed it in production. Like okay, our Spider Man series is i run- um, going down. They were just going to do another Spider Man series, just a straight Spider Man yep. series. And, and
1: then, then there was talk of doing twenty ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Which is part of why Unlimited has the wing cape, or the 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 web cape rather. Yeah, uh, that's a holdover from the twenty ninety nine costume.
0: Yeah, although apparently twenty nine, apparently both both of them are in the new Spider Verse movie coming out.
1: Yes, which yes. I will be at Disney for. Ooh, hmm. logistical maybe, challenge.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll see it. Maybe I'll talk my cousin into going to see it at the at the um, the AMC at Disney Springs.
1: Yeah, I saw one of the Star Wars movies there I saw Captain Phillips there that seems less fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I was in I was in Orlando for the for the evening yep. so um, my wife decided she would plan a nice little outing to Disney Springs for me even though she wasn't there so she made me dinner reservations she made she um, said you're gonna go see a movie and you're gonna go to dinner here and you know a nice little Disney trip even though she couldn't be there that's nice. It is nice. I have a nice wife. I like her a lot. Um, but this isn't the James loves his wife cast. Um, <laughs> I, I maybe should do that one. I, think, I feel like that would give me some points.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, counter-earth. Kind of a dumb idea. Yeah. This this might be the best version of it because it explodes at the end. Exactly. And it's not on the uh, other side of friggin' sun. I also never much cared for the High Evolutionary as a villain. He just always seemed too convoluted for me.
0: I mean, the High Evolutionary was the star of the blockbuster Marvel crossover the 1980s, Trey evolutionary, <laughs> evolutionary War. war. <laughs> which, you know, I don't know why we're not doing a multi-part multi-part coverage of Evolutionary War, Trey.
1: Sorry, but Evolutionary War is to 80s Marvel what Millennium was to 80s DC. <coughs>
0: You see, for a minute there, I thought you were going to say what Millennium was to 90s Fox TV shows.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, that's a deeper cut. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference, but it's a deeper cut.
0: Like, how many of us were like, and next up, Millennium? And we're like, no, it isn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> see, my X Files spinoff of choice was Lone Gunman. Oh, Lone Gunman was fun. Yeah.
0: Gun was lots of fun. And, uh, of course, you know, most of the times when I saw Millennium Ads is because I was going to watch Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. <laughs> Insert a bunch of Jonathan Franks <laughs> quotes here. Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> oh. uh, but, yeah, but I, I did appreciate that this version of The High Evolutionary was so unapologetically evil.
0: Evil.
1: That That, unlike Killmonger, for uh, several of the other Marvel villains especially in recent phases he doesn't really have a point you can't look at what he's doing and say if you squint he has the right idea no he, he's just cruel
0: he's he's cruel for the sake of his own superiority
1: right right and that's refreshing
0: hmm <laughs> that's a mm, weird kill the ha ha! I, I just,
1: I. Adult it is nice to have refreshing. a villain. It, it is nice that the villain is so unapologetically evil that you can be all in on his downfall. Oh
0: yeah, like, I've like seen Killmonger say,
1: dies and you feel bad for him, at least a little bit. Yes. It's a even though he's the villain, it's a tragic death.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people. That's not said, what we get here. Yeah, I think a lot of people said, oh, Marvel's villains, they only work because you feel sorry for them or you feel bad for them. No, High <laughs> Evolutionary worked, and we did not feel sorry for him. Right,
1: right. So I guess what I'd say, High Evolutionary is Red Skull, not Killmonger. Ooh, that's, that's, yeah, that works, that works. Because that's the other example of the unapologetically evil villain.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So I'm already seeing people saying, like, oh, he, that he should be the new Kang.
1: Nah, he's High mm-hmm. Evolutionary. He didn't yeah. even die. He's still around.
0: Yeah, somebody's like, "Oh, you should reveal him to be a vi- variant of Kang." That solves the whole uh, problem you're having there. No,
1: that makes things so much weirder and more complicated. <laughs> if the high evolutionary is Kang, that is some weird, like nineteen ninety-seven Marvel crossover event bullshit, right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that, that, it's something that you know Kurt Busiek's going to have him to step in and fix the retcon of.
1: <laughs> right? Like what next? Iron Lad is also Kang? Where does it stop?
0: I mean, Iron Lad is Kang. Oh. Oh. I mean I like Iron Lad. <laughs> I like him as Kang, so there you go. Um, but yeah, we, we, we really enjoyed the movie. Um how do you feel about yeah. how do you feel about the legendary Star Lord returning, Trey?
1: I was surprised by that. I, I genuinely was. I thought if anything it would have been the Guardians will return, and it was, and they would have hyped up the new lineup.
0: Because
1: hmm. I like the new lineup a lot. The new lineup's fun. Um, um, I did not see Child by Lavelle coming.
0: No. That was, wow. I wonder how they're going to explain that. That That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, <sighs> the Steiner boys. Uh, the Steiner boys already have a problem with that. They're like, oh, the, it's encouraging pedophilia.
1: How? No, nope, because- she's not romantically connected to the new one in the film.
0: No, she's not romantic cuz the, oh they going who the go like it was a moon dragon in the books. You know, like uh, Probably. It,
1: it's it's, it's pushing Moon Dragon right now does not exist in the MCU.
0: Exactly. And you know, we might not get that mo- that introduction to like years from now.
1: Yep. Yep. And they could even choose to age up the character the way they did Cassie Lang.
0: Exactly. It's like
1: I mean, she'll- she is she is a genetically engineered alien created by the High Evolutionary. We don't know how she ages.
0: Exactly. Chill the
1: f out, Snyder boys. And on top of that, just going back to the Star Lord thing, I have to imagine that they're planning on him playing some sort of role in either Secret Wars or the Kang Dynasty. That this is not hyping a solo movie, but that he's going to show up in one of the big crossover events.
0: Okay, so you don't think it's gonna we're gonna get a. Uh... Star Lord solo movie directed by Chris Pratt?
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think I think most likely he cameos in one of the two Avengers movies that's still that's already on the schedule, or maybe he shows up in in something for Disney Plus. So there's supposedly that Nova, whether mm. it's a, a special or or uh, I think it's I think at this point they're saying it's going to be like Werewolf by Night, a one shot deal. But okay. I could see Star Lord showing up in a Nova thing okay. since he has a history with the Nova Corps.
0: So not a Star-Lord Thor buddies buddy series.
1: <laughs> no. Um that would that would be amusing for about as much time as they were together in Love and Thunder. Oof.
0: Oof. Yeah, we we didn't really talk about um Love and Thunder on the show.
1: I didn't hate it, but I liked it less than Quantumania.
0: Oof. Well then. <laughs> um I think that being said,
1: we're gonna go ahead and. Do- we should talk about some heroes reborn.
0: Heroes <laughs> reborn, yeah. So we're gonna take another, We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Nightwing right after these messages.
1: Hello and welcome to the Shameless Picture Show.
0: I am your host Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is fellow writer and filmmaker Nick Richards. So, Nick, what is a shameless? If you ever been at a party or hanging with friends and somebody brings up a beloved film that you have not seen? Oh yeah, all the time. It's to- it's- I'm always like, oh, total- I've-, I've totally seen that. I love that part where the thing happens and all the stuff that you're talking about is fantastic. <laughs> exactly. So all those films, the classics that you should have seen but never got around to, you write them down. That's your shame list. So, what we do is on each episode, we pick a movie from one of our shame lists. We both watch it, well, at least we try
1: to, and we discuss (laughs) the film as a fresh viewer. Oh,
0: one of us is usually a fresh viewer, the other may have already seen it, I guess, making them a stale viewer. Yes, but that's not always the case. Wordplay! <laughs> there is always a little bit of shameless crossover. Uh, we should turn our shameless into like a Venn diagram and see where <laughs> the crossover is. I completely agree. I think that would work out well. <laughs> so, we typically release one of these deep dive episodes a month, and we try to release a second monthly episode that is sometimes another deep dive, and sometimes it's more of a topical episode. So, find us on most major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Libsyn. And as As we say on the shame list if you don't like that i've got two words for you watch Watch movies movies. (laughs) a ticking bomb means trouble
1: for batman and robin holy breaking and entering it's batgirl quick batgirl untie us before it's too late it's already too late i've worked for you a long time and i'm paid less than robin same job same employer means equal pay for men and women
0: no time for jokes batgirl
1: it's no joke it's the federal equal pay law holy act of congress if you're not getting equal pay contact the wage and hour division u.s department of labor
0: welcome back to believers to our coverage of heroes reborn our first issue for this episode is heroes reborn Night Gwen, number one the title of the story is Hunters and Prey. Writer is Vita Ayala. Uh, artist is Therad Karami. Uh, colors are Eric Arseniega. Letterer is Corey Petit. Editors are Darren Shane. Tom Revoort and editor-in-chief is C.B. Kowalski. We pick up in Washington, D.C. where a heavy set man and his dog are answering the call of some early morning, early takeout. Um, but of course, it turns out not to be takeout, but murder. <laughs> we then cut to Ravencroft Asylum, where, where Dr. Gwen Stacy is having an induction interview with Bullseye. Um, it doesn't go well. And then Gwen Stacy flashes back to her mother, who was also a doctor at Ravencroft, and how her, she made her want to help people. Um, but that's. Gwen's last interview for the day, because it turns out she has a date with her friend, Misty Knight, uh, who um, talks to her about not liking superheroes. Little does she know that Gwen herself is a superhero. She's Nightbird. Uh, And of course, Misty Knight gets a phone call in the middle of their date talking about something's going down. And night and Gwen decides it's time to see action as Nightbird going out into the night. Uh, Misty and Commissioner Luke Cage are investigating the murder from the beginning of the issue. Uh, Misty goes upstairs to look through the victim's belongings and just misses Nightbird uh, also doing the same. We then get a montage of scenes of uh, Nightbird investigating the murder, including some strange symbols left behind at the murder scenes. And she quickly realizes that it fits a pattern, that of the Jackal, also known as Dr. Miles Warren, who had been obsessed with her in college and who she had later had to take down as Nightbird. Gwen tracks down the Jackal to the old CSU library campus. Uh, where they have some fighty fight. And Gwen realizes that the Jackal's fighting a bit differently than last time. His moves are more practiced. And she realizes this is not the same Jackal as she fought before. In fact, is it, could it be? It's her old friend, Flash Thompson. Flash reveals that he only wanted to be, be with Gwen. And that's why he took out all these people who ever got close to her or ever the threat to her. And Gwen takes them out and checks him into Ravencroft, where she chalks up his her his protestations that she's Nightbird up to crazed rantings. She then goes outside to finish her ice cream with Misty Knight as they drive off into the sunset. The end. So, this is a good Batgirl story.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, they're doing Barbara Gordon with a little bit of pre-insanity Harlene Quinzel I guess <laughs> something like that I guess like I'm not really sure who the, the other half of this is because most of these characters you can sort of see how they're fusions of different characters but here it is very much Barbara Gordon is the clear primary inspiration
0: yeah yeah pre um, pre-oracle Barbara Gordon Pretty killing joke although even um, then we get we got a little bit of that in the um, Heroes Are Born issue
1: absolutely um, and, of course, uh, Dr. Skivorsky, uh the head of thing, that that's Doc Samson. Yeah. Bit of a skeez um, back here. Yep. Yeah. Um, the guy who gets murdered in the opening, sort of the pre credit scene, if you will, um, he's actually a Daredevil character. He is a informant confidant of Daredevil and, I think, of Ben Urich, um, okay. who ends up being killed by the Kingpin um, as part of a, a Daredevil plot. Yeah. Um, and one little touch that I just the, the DC fan in me absolutely loved is we get the, the glimpses of uh Nightbird's headquarters. Because she doesn't opera operate out of uh uh the the cave. The night cave, she has she yeah. has she has her clock tower.
0: She has a clock tower like like uh Barbara Oracle. had. Yeah. As Oracle, yeah. Which that clock tower was just iconic nineties. Batman, bat titles.
1: Yes, it is.
0: In fact, like, most of the... you ever read the Grek Rucka, um, No Man's Land novelization?
1: I've not, but I've heard it's good.
0: It is really good. Like, it is really good. It's it's, it's actually a little bit better than the actual story, the storyline for No Man's I, I've Land. I've
1: heard that it, it actually fleshes out some things that, that are interesting and, and make the story, uh a little easier to follow.
0: Yeah. The clock tower is a center central location in that book. Nice. Yeah.
1: Um uh, I, so yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just I I enjoyed the fake out with the jackal.
0: Did it turn out to be Flash?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I guess because here Flash didn't have Spider-Man to look up to. He went down a dark road.
1: Right. Right. Um I like his homemade stitched together
0: jackal suit. You mean the one he skinned from from Miles Warren? Right,
1: right. It's real creepy.
0: Real creepy. It's uh... so. What do you think of night of Nightbird's costume
1: here? Um, it. Trying to find a good image of it. It's fine. It's the the. It reminds me a little bit of the most recent Batgirl outfit. Hmm. Um. Where the mask doesn't fully cover her head, so her hair can flow freely. Um.
0: Kind of remind me the, of the, the Alicia big, Silverstone, a little
1: bit of Girl that costume. too. Yeah, um, the the big yellow symbol across the chest. Yeah,
0: um, I
1: kind of feel yeah, it's a bit I mean, generic. It, it, it's a little bit, but it's also it's it's keeping the color scheme and iconography of um the oh uh, what's his name um Kyle Richmond Nighthawk Nighthawk outfit. Yes, for some reason I could not think of the name Nighthawk. Um, it's keeping. The, the symbols and the color scheme of that, and trying to sort of bring in some elements of Batgirl outfits. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it is a little bit generic.
0: A little bit, it looks a bit like a, a superhero costume that you get like in a commercial.
1: Yeah, or, or like sort of a, a create-a-character costume. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks better in motion than in the sort of still poses. Like... Yes. Like the, the panels of her swinging through the sky, those look good because the cape's a little more dynamic.
0: We actually see on one of the variant covers they show in the back of the trade, uh, the Heroes Reborn Nightwing design variant, we actually see a variation of it, and the, oh, variation, yeah, with the, the, the variation is much better.
1: Yeah, well, so she's got her hair pulled back. Yep. Um and she's got a, a full mask like it's the the yellow domino, but then she also has like a ninja mask covering the bottom of her face. Yes, I, I think that's much. The better. rest of it's basically the same.
0: Yeah, but it's a li- little bit because you've got the covering of the face there. It's a little bit more evocative of her Spider Gwen costume.
1: It is, and and I th- I think that's the that's the missing element, I guess. Is there's a lot of Barbara Gordon in this character. There's less of Gwen Stacy. Yes. That said,
0: I don't hate the issue. It's a no perfectly fun issue. Now, here's my question, though. Yeah, is the relationship between Gwen and Misty Knight romantic? Because I'm not.
1: See, I, I I read it as romantic.
0: Okay, because I'm not too up to date on more recent versions of Gwen and the, their portrayal of her sexuality there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if like Ghost Spider has been revealed as being bi or. Uh, or just straight up, um, homosexual.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm actually not sure either. I was reading some of the Ghost Spider stuff early on, and I know especially the the animated movie version has been linked pretty significantly to Miles.
0: Yes, and of course, 616 Gwyn was very much into Peter Parker.
1: Right. Um...
0: Just like it's not overtly stated as being romantic. Yeah. So it could just be two friends hanging out. Right. But I also don't want to make it the their roommate's mistake.
1: (laughs) Right. And so in the comics, she has she did at one time express feelings for Miles Morales, um, discovered an alternate reality where she and Miles had settled down with kids. Um she also at one point dated the Harry Osborne of her reality. Never good. Um, but broke off the relationship um, because her uh, identity as ghost spider is a danger to the people around her. Well,
0: if they are a couple, they're a cute couple. If they are going to be a couple, she definitely needs to be like honest with her and be like, hey, mm-hmm. honey, I'm a superhero.
1: Right, right. And frankly, I'm not really sure what um, Misty Knight's relationship status with anyone is in the comics right now.
0: I mean... Danny and her have a kid, right?
1: Um, I'm not sure. Um, she and Sam Wilson were together for a minute while he was, well, when he first became Captain America. Really? Yeah. Interesting. The the Marvel fandom wiki lists Misty Knight in 616, regular, unaltered reality, as currently single.
0: Oh, sorry, Danny.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I I do not know. Um, (laughs) But, but, for the purposes of this version of reality, it, it it seems like the the to me, the writing at least suggested something romantic,
0: although I noticed something in the book, yeah, uh, and I, I don't know why we didn't re- think of this earlier. Is the reason um why washington d c is the main focus city in all these books, so these can all p- can be D.C. heroes?
1: I actually think that is correct. yes. Oh, Jason Aaron. <laughs> oh. Love it. I love it. Oh
0: why. Okay. Fine. But yeah, a fun little issue. I did not hear it at all. And so Yeah.
1: It, it it reads sort of like I don't know. Um something that you'd have gotten around the time that I know Barbara Gordon wasn't that girl at this time, but it reads a lot like sort of Mid two thousands, Birds of Prey type stuff.
0: Mid two thousand Birds of Prey is fun. Yeah, after and Chuck and I, Dixon, I,
1: yes, uh, sort of Gail Simone era.
0: Yeah, G- Gail Simone. Dude, let's be clear: this Gail Simone era. Uh and Chuck Dixon know, I,
1: has Chuck the strength, Dixon is incredible. You
0: know, characters is not one of them.
1: Sure, and and to his credit, you don't get the Gail Simone era of Birds of Prey without Chuck Dixon in his own way laying some groundwork for it. Oh yeah. Definitely. I think the Simone era is better. But the, the the original Birds of Prey book isn't bad. Now, Chuck Dixon, problematic as hell, but he kind of owned the Bat books of the 90s and early 2000s.
0: Oh, yeah, until Greg Rucka came along. He did. So, I mean, I will give him full credit for some fantastic Robin issues.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, he essentially single-handedly defined Tim Drake as a character. Yeah. So, but yeah, but so, so, and this is very much what that reminds me of is that sort of late 90s, early 2000s Bat Family, not the Batman book proper, but the Mm -hmm. sort of peripheral titles,
0: the Bat Family stuff, which just like,
1: just like how American Knights kind of reminded me of Gotham Central a little bit.
0: Yeah, but I do think that means we can go to another quick break and we'll be back with our look at Heroes Reborn. Number Remember, seven. Is it seven? Oh, it wow. We're, we're near the end, Trey.
1: Right? This is technically the final issue of Heroes Reborn, and then the last two issues we're talking about are tie ins.
0: Right after these messages. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other worlds lived worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis.
1: Available weekly from
0: January 3rd, 2022 at johnreadscomics.com.
1: Lex Luthor has Superman trapped. He's using kryptonite to destroy his powers. Now you'll tell me why Superman Peanut Butter tastes so great. Never.
0: So fresh-roasted, so creamy, so yummy. Then its secret will be mine, all mine. (laughs) Ah, Yay! Foiled again! Just wait, Superman.
1: I'll find out. Superman Peanut Butter. Its strength is its great taste welcome back to tomb of ideas our next issue is heroes reborn number seven uh cover date on this was august 2021 writer is well we've got two stories as with the other heroes reborn main issues uh, the first story is the world of no return written by jason aaron pencils by aaron cooter inks by aaron cooter uh colors by dean white letters by Corey Petit, and Editors are Martin Biro, Alana Smith, and Tom Bravort. The second story is The President's Best Friend, also written by Jason Aaron, pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Matthew Wilson. The letters and the editorial team are the same. Okay, so we open with a flashback to a few years ago, and we're in the height of the Squadron Supreme's Civil War. Um, the heroes are fighting over a superhero registration act. Uh, Nighthawk and Hyperion are sort of leading the opposing sides. This probably sounds familiar to you. Um, Nighthawk is also possessed by the Venom symbiote, it looks like.
0: Yeah, he's got the Venom yeah. symbiote and the Eye of, Eye of Agamotto.
1: That's right, because he's firing mystic beams of energy at Hyperion. Which, you know,
0: that's uh, one way to level the playing field against a... Super right. So,
1: if, if if I had looked a little further ahead, Hyperion says that Nighthawk rebonded with the Venom symbiote and stole the Eye of Agamotto from the squadron's armory. Um, Hyperion says that as a history teacher, he can tell for a fact, in a civil war, no matter who wins, both sides bleed. Um, we uh, flash back to... We flash forward, rather, to the present where Hyperion and Nighthawk are glaring at each other as Power Princess tries to uh, get everyone to focus on this new threat uh, that calls themselves the Avengers. Um, Dr. Spectrum says that he's never heard of any and he's been all over the cosmos. Um, Blur wonders if it's a Frank Castle thing um, then runs off punches him a whole bunch in prison comes back (laughs) David punches Megan Kid! Um, And Hyperion acknowledge while he doesn't know anything about Avengers, he acknowledges that something weird is going on. Uh, And it goes all the way back to right before he killed the Hulk when uh, the Hulk began asking for Steve. Uh, What can I say? Hulk loves Urkel. And they go and investigate where it seems like something or someone has been removed from the ice of the Arctic course, we know exactly who that is and when that happened.
0: Thing from another world.
1: <laughs> um, Dr. Spectrum says it looks like a body was removed, um, and the energy given off from where the body had been leads them to a spaceship, which previously belonged to Rocket Raccoon, um, but there's no sign of the star brand there. Um, so it seems like no matter where the squadron goes, they can find evidence of where our team of Avengers have been, but they can't actually find the Avengers themselves.
0: Exactly. It's it's a global game of hide and
1: seek. Right, right. Uh, Power Princess goes and visits Nighthawk um, and it becomes clear that they had a relationship in the past of some sort, um, but that now she has some sort of relationship with Hyperion and that he gets jealous. Uh, it all feels a little bit like... Uh, well, we'll get to it. it it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and Nighthawk has figured out that Echo was the one inmate from Ravenscroft who was not uh, recaptured when the breakout happened. Um, and he has traced her to uh, using his computer. And in the footage, they see her along with Blade... And Captain America, and and also they're shocked that Echo has the Phoenix Force because previously they killed Jean Grey and thought that was the end of the Phoenix. Uh,
0: suckers. <laughs>
1: um, upon the reminder that Jean Grey is dead, we also flash back to years ago and see uh, Wolverine stabbing Hyperion through the throat with his claws. Um, It turns out that this was the time that Wolverine killed Hyperion because Shaman of Alpha Flight enchanted his claws with magic so that they were able to pierce Hyperion's skin. Um, And we return to the present where Dr. Spectrum is with Nighthawk in space and they're investigating strange energy readings um, that aren't from Hyperion um, but from something close. Um, they come from samples of a meteorite uh, that he's only encountered trace elements of before um, and essentially Nighthawk is figuring out that Wakanda exists. Meanwhile uh, Blur and Power Princess visit the Goblin in Raven- Ravenscroft um, He is still injured from the breakout when he injured himself over and over again. It was real creepy um, and Power Princess gets tired of the back and forth that clearly Goblin enjoys with Nighthawk, and so she um, punches through his stomach or chest. One, looks real painful. Chest, I believe. She kills we him then, real good. Yeah, yeah, Goblin's dead. Uh, we then flashback again. Um, there's a lot of flashbacks in this story. Uh, yeah. And in this flashback, Goblin has escaped from Ravenscroft, And is wearing a suit and tie. And it's called a press conference. He is calling himself Norman Osborn. He has the weird hairdo. In spite of also looking like a goblin. And he has put together his own. Squadron Supreme. Which he calls Dark Squadron. Because I guess Squadron Sinister was taken. Um, Yeah. And it is. The Sentry. And a version of Moon Knight. I think. Yep. And is that Valkyrie in the background?
0: Yep. Sentry, Moon Knight, Nova, Valkyrie, and the Ghost Runner.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's right. If I had read the dialogue, uh, he identifies them all. Uh, that's what I get for just paying attention to the pictures.
0: I mean, they're pretty pictures.
1: They are. Um, and I guess we then jump back to the present. It doesn't say we've jumped back to the present, but it seems like we jumped back to the present. Hmm. Um, the big three uh, Hyperion, Power Princess, and Nighthawk are arguing. Um, And they're debating whether to tell the president about the situation. Uh, Nighthawk wants to go in without White House approval. Um, As this conversation between uh, Dr. Spectrum and Blur is happening, it is clear that Dr. Spectrum is broadcasting it into the Oval Office, where Coulson is listening.
0: Perhaps non-intentionally.
1: It it is possible that Coulson is able to tap into the Power Prism directly. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, but, whether it's intentional or not, Colson is spying on them. Um, and, and as they debate what to do, um, Doctor Spectrum sort of insists that presidents come and go, but the squadron is what keeps the world running. Um, and they pause at a statue of President Fury, the Howling Commander-in-Chief, um, and at the base of the statue is the phrase in Mephisto we trust. So that's the first and then, as the blur stares at the End of Mephisto we trust uh, uh, memorial, we flash back again to years ago in a single moment in time, when Stanley Stewart, the blur, says goodbye to the love of his life, Mary Jane. Um, it's sort of his own version of whichever story it was. Uh, one more day, <sighs> whatever it was. Mephisto's laughing. Clearly he's about to undo their relationship. It's messed up. We jump back to the present where uh, the squadron has assembled in the African Savannah um, and they've traced the signal that Nighthawk has been uh, following and in an instant Wakanda reveals itself and Steve Rogers alongside Black Panther, Blade, Thor, Echo as the Phoenix and the Starbrand cries Avengers assemble Um, in the meantime in the Oval Office um, Colson hears someone saying that it's best to give the president some plausible deniability about the Avengers Colson again calls them an idiot Um, his advisors uh, who I believe are Thunderbolt Ross and J. Jonah Jameson yeah yeah Thunderbolt Ross J. Jonah Jameson um, are advising violence uh, aggression. Colson kills them both. He agrees with them. Um, yes. Yes, he does. And then he kills them both. Um, calls for a press release on the assassinations of Ross and Jameson by sleeper agents from Wakanda. And then a demonic hell beast tells Colson that he did the right thing. Because the more people who say the A-word, the more cracks begin to show in the world that they've built. Um, and so... Colson decides to kill Captain America because that will help solidify this new reality. Um, and Colson kneels before the Hell Beast and calls. He, he agrees to call back the squadron, um, and says he will take care of things himself using his helahedron, the Pandemonium Cube.
0: It, it's a satanic cosmic cube.
1: Yep, yep, that's what it is. It's a, mm, yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, this is a very transition issue.
1: It is. It's all over the place. It's really confusing to summarize because of all of the flashbacks. Yeah. Like, every other page causes a flashback to some earlier event that didn't really happen because we're dealing with reality-altered stuff.
0: Incu- including the most cursed flashback of all, Stanley Stewart being married to Mary Jane Watson.
1: Yeah, that that's real messed up. Yeah,
0: because,
1: uh, boy. Yep, not a fan of that. Also, just the fact that even he couldn't get away from having his relationship with MJ undone by Mephisto.
0: Also, I just don't like being reminded of One More Day. Yep, yep. Perhaps one of the worst comic decisions in the last 20 years.
1: Um, it's up there. It's not as bad as Identity Crisis for DC. Okay, yeah.
0: Identity in the, ruined the com- Identity but- Crisis ruined the, the company for, like, a good decade.
1: I mean, it... it- Destroyed their continuity to the point that they had to do the new 52.
0: Yes. Yes. And then finally, they just had to be headed to a, uh, our bad. None of that happened. Everything's reset.
1: So it's not as bad as Identity Crisis, might be as bad as Heroes in Crisis. Ooh.
0: Yes. 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 (laughs) (sighs) But yeah, you know, I I like. I liked watching the squadron figure things out.
1: Yeah, we we get them in full JLA mode here. Mm-hmm. Like like this is the this is the squadron supreme of America, basically functioning as Grant Morrison's version of the JLA.
0: Yeah, and they all have they all they all split off into teams and figure things out and go from there. Yep, it, it's it's fun.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know I I, I like. Oh, so the the thing that I was thinking of as I was going back through the plot was that the relationship between power Princess Nighthawk and Hyperion reminds me of the uh earth three uh versions of uh the Trinity indeed yeah like the R- it, it's Owlman, uh Superwoman and Ultraman yeah who similarly had like a love triangle that was always threatening to uh to drive apart the the team
0: yeah it's it's obvious this is not a really functional team, yep, like it gets the job done, but as far as being like functioning healthy, not so much
1: yeah i I do kind of wish there'd been a flat more i wish we could see more of when fury was president,
0: yeah, that'd be fun, apparently he was assassinated
1: yeah that that's the the gist of their conversation at least,
0: yeah and this very militaristic monument replacing the somewhat less militaristic Lincoln Memorial right right very interesting it says a lot about this world really
1: sure I I just I like the the turn of phrase the howling commander in chief (laughs) that's That's good that's that that Jason Aaron gets points for that one okay um I like that Steve Rogers is still rocking the beard
0: yeah I feel like that's a nod to Chris Evans.
1: Seems like it. Seems like it.
0: Because he reportedly just liked to keep his beard as long as possible before he had to shave it to play Captain America.
1: Mm-hmm. I also I, I i like to think I don't know um just something very like resistance fighter about the look with the longer hair and the beard.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that it accomplishes that as well. It kind of fits them as the underdogs.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like that. Black Panther is in his classic costume with the with the half cape. Yes. I can yeah, miss I mean, that so costume. Yeah. I always liked the cape. I think he looks better. I think most heroes look better with a cape. Honestly.
0: Except for Spider-Man. Spider-Man looks weird with a cape.
1: He does. He does. Unless it's 2099 and then he's allowed to have the, the web cape. Fair. Fair. Um, I, I guess there's just not much, like we said, not a whole lot to this one. It, it's very much getting us to the place where the big fighty fight can happen, mm-hmm. which weirdly does not happen in the event proper, but in the wrap-up issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, a separate series technically. Like if this was the old price guide, this would be counted as a separate series, not like part eight.
1: Right. In fact, Heroes Return. I can't. Which which collection did they put it? Did they put it in the Heroes Reborn collection? Yeah. Or did they put it with the one shots.
0: They put it in. The, they put it in the main collection
1: because it should be with the one shots technically. But then you wouldn't get the end of the story.
0: Yeah, it, it wraps up the end of the story. So,
1: it, it's a weird choice.
0: Um, yeah, weird like, weird choice.
1: Well, and I guess the problem is, the thing that would have made more sense had already been done with the last Heroes Reborn event. Because really, the thing to do would be call it Heroes Reborn colon The Return.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we should move on to our next issue.
1: Yeah, Uh, which we get a glimpse of in this issue.
0: Yep. So we'll be right back with our look at Heroes Reborn, Weapon X, and Final Flight, right after these messages. All right, Josh, we got to do this ad. We got to come up with something. What do we want people to know about Cinepunks? I don't know, man. I feel like they should know everything about Cinepunks. All right. We're underachieving overachievers convinced that we know a thing or two about movies romance and adventure by the light of the silver screen. Is non-judgmental movie criticism a thing? Not really, but we love you anyway. We love cinema, whether it's high art or low trash. Cinepunks, we're elitists, but only about real nerd shit. Liam and Josh, we have two microphones and the truth.
1: Hear the sound razor-sharp adamantium claws make when they extract their revenge
0: They're here, Marvel's X-Men on Sega Genesis. System begins all separately. Welcome back, Tim Believers, to our third issue of the episode, Weapon X and Final Flight. Title of the story is Freedom or Death. Writer is Ed Brison. Artist is Roland Boshi. Colorist is Chris O'Halloran. Letterer is Corey Petit. Editor is Darren Shane. Executive Editor, Tom Brevoort. As we talked about last issue, a couple years ago, Squadron Supreme decided to invade Canada, as you do. And in the process of that Wolverine, with the aid of Enchanted Claws enchanted by our friend Shaman, for any of our Alpha Flight fans out there, how you doing, one or two of you, Uh, manages to kill Hyperion. However, the rest of the Squadron spring quickly makes short work of the rest of what once was Alpha Flight, now Final Flight, and Shaman teleports the team away. Two years later, Final Flight is on the run from the U.S. government, as we see with basically, like, SEAL Team 6, invading a Ontario mansion, which, uh, Trey, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that the mansion from um, the X-Men films? Um, it sure does look like it. I, I think that that mansion is in Canada, and I think they just used it for this as a little there you go. That's cute. It, if that's the case, that, that's a cute little side. <laughs> anyway, um, they arrest the people in the safe house, but there is no final flight, much to the grin of the person leading the team, Nighthawk we fast forward to next night, where Final Flight is arriving at their actual safe house in Sudbury, Ontario, uh, where they hear about the uh, arrest of the Freedom Fighters, and Sasquatch and Wolverine almost get into it before being stopped by Shaman. The team go their separate ways, uh, but Shaman and Aurora are talking about all the hardship the team's gone through over the last couple of years, including the fact that their version of Fox is actually um, Heather and John Hudson's uh, 10-year-old daughter, Claire, uh, which, uh, original character for this crossover, I like her. She's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Aurora talks about how she can't give up the fight because, uh, after all, they did kill her brother, Northstar. And, uh, but we find out the next morning that Sasquatch has left the team. Uh, Ten days later, Logan decides to go on the offensive trying to attack Nighthawk. Uh, but of course, when he arrives, he finds out that Nighthawk is not there. But he does intend t- to send a message. When they return to their safe house, though, they find Sasquatch there waiting for them. It seems that after his exit from the team, he found out where the Freedom Fire is being are being transported to, and wants final flight to do a last ditch rescue attempt. Um, when they arrive for the rescue attempt, however, um, the transport van is not carrying the refugee, sorry, the freedom fighters, but instead the Squadron Supreme. As Sasquatch has stabbed the team in the back in exchange for the safety. It seems all that Sasquatch all the Squadron really want is Wolverine, and they get him. The rest of the Squadron makes quick work of. The final flight after Sasquatch takes out the final flight's magic user, Shaman, who basically was the tail team was relying on. Um, again, note to DD parties keep your magic user in the background for ranged attacks while your fighters get into close range. Anyway, um, there's some fighty fight between Wolverine and Hyperion, and then Hyperion cooks Wolverine from the inside out through the eye sockets with his atomic vision. Uh, then Dr. Spectrum flies the s- mostly dead Wolverine corpse to a dead moon in a dead solar system so that he can just keep on healing, dying, healing, dying, healing, dying, healing, dying over and over again, or as I like to call it, Monday at work. <laughs> the rest of the final flight go their separate ways since Sasquatch has made a deal for their um, survival, realizing, of course, that they have been finally defeated. This is a bleak goddamn issue, Trey.
1: Very, very bleak. And just sort of, I mean, it seems like the purpose of this is to reestablish just how vicious and cutthroat the squadron is as we yeah. head into the final stretch of this story.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely get a feeling that it was President Coulson who ordered this attack.
1: Oh, not, certainly.
0: Not President Fury uh this yeah. attack on canada which yeah this
1: would have been probably the early days of Colson. yeah um also just as an aside the i like how the very slight redesign of wolverine in this altered reality effectively makes him into the doomsday to hyperion superman yeah i
0: realized on my most recent
1: read through that, that was what they were going for the adamantium spikes coming out of his arms
0: yeah which is interesting, although they kind of already did a doomsday fight with um, Dr. Juggernaut in the first they issue. Did. They did. But it's still fun. It's, it's nice that this is how Hyperion died. Basically right. in the 90s. Um, it is... I don't like the art, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, I, I think we were talking about this off-mic a little bit and I, I, think, I think it's the coloring for me. I don't think the, the line work is bad but mm-hmm. the color scheme is very muted and, and lots of shades of brown and sort of green-blue.
0: It, it's very blobs of color for me.
1: Which yeah, it's it, muddy.
0: It, it's, it's very muddy. Uh, and I guess maybe that's intentional because, again, Canada, apparently, in this universe, is not a very nice place.
1: Right. But the the, the daytime scenes are almost all shades of brown. The nighttime scenes are all... Uh, sort of blue for night. Yeah, and it makes everything look a little samey.
0: Oh, just just a little bit, just a just a wee bit.
1: Um, so the old bald guy who is uh, taking care of Logan in his like back to tank or whatever that's supposed to be when he's in his uh, Weapon X skivvies, Professor um, Hudson. Yeah, so that's the founder of the Weapon Plus program. Yeah,
0: they're 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 friendly in this reality, and um, right, right the six one six, they are not
1: right. Uh, Also, I believe the half-brother of James Hudson, the original Guardian.
0: James Hudson, not John Hudson. But, you know, they're Canadian. Same
1: difference. He's kind of a generic character.
0: I mean, but they're Canadian, Trey. If I say their name, they'll apologize to me. (laughs) My apologies to our Canadian listener.
1: Um, I do agree with you. I like uh, the Hudson's daughter being sort of a combination of box and Guardian. Yeah. I always liked... Heather
0: in Alpha Flight. Yeah, I actually like Alpha, the Alpha Flight series a lot. It's just been a little while since I've read it, and names are hard.
1: I like. Me alone. I like the first
0: twenty-eight issues. Gee, I wonder why, Trey. <laughs>
1: Give or take. <laughs> yeah, no. It's a, for, for listeners trying to do the math, uh, the first twenty-eight issues are the issues that John Byrne did, and after that, it was a, it was sort of downhill.
0: Just a little bit,
1: yeah. Even cause... though it ran for another hundred and something issues. Yeah,
0: yeah, including, um, and, and 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 oh god, including Jim Shooter telling them they couldn't make Northstar openly gay, right? Right, boo, Jim Shooter, you're one of my favorite Marvel letters, but that was just a misstep, terrible messed up. Uh,
1: in fact, uh, was Alpha Flight does Alpha Flight crossover into Inferno?
0: Um, that is a good question. I can look real quick and see if it's on our list.
1: This may not be the last we see of Alpha Flight. Burn, baby, burn. Marvel
0: Inferno.
1: <laughs> Um, I don't believe it does. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll see more of them at some point.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some very good Alpha Flight issues. And I, I do think the characters are overdue for a resurgence because, like, Puck is
1: awesome. And, and when used properly, he tends to be a fan favorite.
0: Yeah. Heather's great. Despite how bitch-ass he is here, Sasquatch is great. Right, right. So, I actually yeah, I, I always liked certain. Shaman. Like, uh, you know, I'm not just... I, you know, I, I'm kind of in on the magic users most most times, but Shaman was fine. I liked his, rela- his relationship slash not relationship
1: with his daughter. Yeah, and that, I mean, especially in those burn issues, that's sort of central to who he is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um... <clears throat> This is just a really bleak issue. It it is. And I'm just really puzzled by the whole let's invade Canada part.
1: Yeah, um, unless it was somehow Coulson trying to keep the Weapon X program out of the equation.
0: And him somehow maybe like blaming rogue Canadians for uh, Sergeant Fury's
1: death. Right. Maybe? So that that could that could also be part of it is present
0: fury. Excuse
1: me. Right. Yes. Howling commander. Howling commander in chief. Goddamn the hell. You just, um, you really like that? I do. I actually think that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That that Canada becomes the scapegoats for what very likely was actually Coulson taking out Fury.
0: Yeah, and like you know, this is all part of. What the idea that we get about the alternate history of this world? For example, World War Two lasts, I think, like five extra years, that mm-hmm. otherwise did not last in our universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitler is killed by Power Princess, uh, and so forth. Right, uh, right. I, this this whole issue just depressed me.
1: It, it's a bit of a downer, and I don't. A lot of it's just fights. You know, like they go from one we go from the flashback fight to uh, the raid to Logan leading the team looking for Nighthawk to the fight at the end. Like it's really just three or four fights strung together.
0: Yeah. anyway
1: and, and it's it's also just the downside of a one shot in that it relies pretty heavily on knowing who the regular universe versions of Alpha Flight are so that you have any sense of empathy or connection to them when everything goes bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I just don't know if it accomplishes that. It's
1: Yeah, again, it's... It, what it accomplishes is reminding us of the, the ruthlessness of the squadron.
0: Here's a question. Is this the weakest tie-in?
1: Mm, I don't think so, but I'd have to look back at the other titles to verify that. Because uh, it's
0: either this, or The Amazing
1: Shutterbug. Yeah, I'm gonna say I like Shutterbug less. Okay. Because I like Peter Parker more than anyone in Alpha Flight. Yes.
0: And I would actually they're both, argue...
1: They're they're both bleak downer issues, but because my attachment to Peter Parker is stronger, that wouldn't hit me harder. Not and not in a good way.
0: Yeah, and I would actually argue that Amazing Shutterbug meshes even less with the rest of the crossover. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute with our next yeah, issue.
1: Yeah, but... we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, but that being said, let's go ahead and go to another quick break. And we'll be right back with Heroes Return, number one, right after these messages. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stayed together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. Every episode. My name is Jean. I'm a Martian.
1: Every adventure.
0: (sighs) Okay, you guys are so slow.
1: Every hero.
0: Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world, the Justice League will take you down.
1: Cindy and Chris Franklin bring you
0: JLU JLU Cast. Whatever the future holds, We'll make those choices
1: ourselves. Don't say you don't love me. I'll never say that. Covering the complete animated run of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And the adventure continues.
0: There's strength in numbers. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League.
1: Someday I'll fight evil. Whoa!
0: Are you ready to be an Avenger? To be an Avenger, you must be strong, smart, quick, and true. Avengers assemble! Old Run's cannon lights up. A is for action. Wonder Man's wrecking. Ant Man's mini jet is set for action. Ant Man extends. Captain America's droid
1: explodes. We'll heal the shield will protect the Avengers. Take that, Old Time.
0: The sky cycle soars into battle. Falcon. Surprise attack. Bird brain. Hawkeye's quick draw arrow will punish evil. Ah! The Avengers. United they stand. Each sold separately.
1: Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Our final issue in. Both this episode and this event is Heroes Return number one, the man who rebooted the world. It's written by Jason Aaron, with art by well, pencils by Ed McGuinness, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by Corey Petit, and the editors are Martin Giro, Alana Smith, and Tom Brevort. Okay. We open again in the White House, where President Colson has used his pandemonium cube to brutally murder Peter Parker, Reed Richards, and Ben Grimm in ways that subtly evoke their superheroic identities in normal timeline.
0: I noticed that too, did you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Coulson climbs into his flying presidential limousine and accompanied by two fighter jets, he makes way for Wakanda, ordering that all fighters be prepared to drop full payloads at his signal. Meanwhile, in Wakanda, the fight between the Squadron and the Avengers is already underway. Uh, Hyperion is fighting Thor, sort of god versus god. Uh, Power Princess is fighting Echo, who has very quickly figured out how to use the Phoenix's powers to their full effect. Nice! Doctor Spectrum is fighting uh, the child Starbrand, Uh, Black Panther is fighting the Blur, and Blade is fighting Nighthawk. And they all have their sort of quippy quips as they fight, because this is a Marvel crossover event with teams, and (laughs) ever since Bendis, those got real quippy. Uh, And during the, the chaos, Captain America takes off on a hover bike and makes way for Coulson's flying limousine. Uh, Carol Danvers in one of the fighter jets is ordered to fire, but she recognizes that it's Captain America and says she's not going to shoot a guy dressed in the black. Oh, she never makes nuke. Right. <laughs> is there even a nuke in this timeline? Probably not. Probably not. Just... Uh, so Captain America in his full classic costume, but still with the bushy beard sticking out under the mask <laughs> uh, rips open the top of Colson's limousine. Pulson fires at him with energy from the pandemonium cube and the fight continues. Uh, the longer the Avengers fight the squadron, the weaker Hyperion feels, um, because something about Wakanda is draining his power. Uh, the fight turns in Thor's favor. He begins literally hammering away at Hyperion. Um, T'Challa and Blur are sort of locked in a race, uh, but T'Challa uses the vibranium claws in his suit to tear apart all of the ligaments in Blur's legs, (laughs) uh, which is brutal. Uh, Starbrand shatters the power prism uh, with a really powerful point-blank blast of energy, and Power Princess wraps Echo in the invisible barbed wire of Ares. Uh, Let's see. The fight between Blade and Nighthawk seems fairly evenly matched at first uh, until Nighthawk tries to stab Blade in the chest with one of his hawkerangs. Is that what we decided they were called?
0: Hawkerangs. Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Okay. Uh, And with the hawkerang embedded in Blade's chest, Nighthawk presses a button and it electrocutes him. Uh, Meanwhile, on top of the flying limousine, Coulson and Cap continue their fight. Um, Coulson reveals that he traded his soul for a world where the Avengers never existed and just as colson gets the upper hand in the fight carol danvers accidentally, bumps her, accidentally. Jet, uh, bumps her jet into the flying limousine clipping the president
0: not even like into the limousine she she flies into colson's head
1: she, yeah like she she bumps him in the head with her wing <laughs> uh danvers are you blind you just clipped the president did i Man, am I embarrassed. sure hope he's alright and can finish killing that guy. Uh, Starbrand rushes in to help Echo with Power Princess, and the Starbrand and the Phoenix use their powers at the same time, resulting in an explosion that looks really, really cool on the page. Uh, Thor and Hyperion continue fighting, uh, as do Nighthawk and Blade, and Nighthawk reveals to Hyperion that the reason he's feeling weaker is that Vibranium is literally his kryptonite. I love that. I love that so much. Because in this timeline, Hyperion's trip to Earth brought the meteorite that crashed in Wakanda and became most of the Earth's supply of Vibranium. I I really like that. I really, really like that. Uh, And Nighthawk figured this out a long time ago and has been keeping it secret. Uh, Black Panther then leaps into action, slashes Hyperion in the face, uh, begins fighting Nighthawk. Uh, Coulson's limousine crashes to the ground. Uh, Captain America is able to dive out of the way. Um, Coulson is trying to use the cube to alter reality again. Captain America uppercuts Hyperion with the shield and... Echo and Starbrand merge their powers again and uh, focus their energies on the cube, and seemingly it gets destroyed. That's, we, we get an image that's not unlike the hand of the Terminator at the end of Terminator 2, like melting as it falls, as it sinks into the, the fire. Uh, we've got sort of an image of Coulson like that, with the cube sort of breaking apart. Uh, and then reality is essentially back to normal. Uh, Blade wakes up in Chernobyl surrounded by vampires um, which is weirdly a relief. (laughs) Uh, The Avengers are very confused. Uh, Tony Stark says this is some space weirdness. I hate space weirdness. How do we even know it's really her? Because Starbrand has aged considerably since they last saw her. her. Um, She was a baby when the Avengers run left off. Um, So all the Avengers had essentially a normal night's sleep um, except for the the uh blade and and star i guess um blade muses that it must have been his connection to the supernatural that allowed him to see through mephisto's powers okay um, i'll buy that sure um hyperion is hovering outside the daily bugle uh where he encounters spider-man um and spider-man says he looks lost hyperion agrees that he's very lost uh and then Hyperion flies away, saying he's looking for an old friend who doesn't seem to be there anymore. It, it, he's looking for Peter Parker. He's yeah, for- yeah. Um, Coulson has disappeared. Uh, Blur appears to be in federal custody. Uh, as are Doctor Spectrum our princess. Princess. Uh, Blur is taking it especially hard, uh, asking to be sent back to his version of reality. Um, the only one who seems to have come out mostly okay is in fact Nighthawk, who is perched on top of the Capitol Dome um, and telling himself that his reality wasn't a mistake. It was a world that made sense. And it will be again. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Hell, Coulson is trapped inside the Pandemonium Cube, and the Mephisto beast that we saw in the previous uh, main issue of the event reveals that this whole event was a proof of concept to show the Council of Red, all of the alternate versions of Mephisto from across reality, just how much a Mephisto can alter reality and get away with it. And that's the end of Heroes
0: Reborn. It is. Um, you know, despite some of the, some more perfectly more quick
1: love, Trey, I really liked this crossover. It was fun, yeah. And the ending is satisfying. It's not perfect. But it's satisfying.
0: Exactly. Uh, the fight between the Avengers and the Squadron Supreme is freaking great.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: It it definitely, I mean, it takes its pages from like endgame or something like that. Just like the scale of it.
1: It feels very endgame. It also feels sort of like, and I, I've evoked this run before, reminds me a lot of the Grant Morrison JLA run.
0: Hmm. But there's a scene there where, like, Black Panther is taking on Hyperion and Nighthawk. Yep. It is so good.
1: Yep, right after Hyperion has found out that Vibranium is his weakness. Yep. He's soloing both of them, and it's great. It really is. And Captain America looks awesome throughout the issue. Uh, and, And I just, I do, I really love the image of the explosion where one half of it is the star brand and the other half is the phoenix
0: they got history, you know. Exactly. It is they really go nice. Way back. Way
1: back. It's it's a really good crossover trade.
0: It's a really good fight. Like, and this yes. whole issue is Ed McGuinness artwork, which is
1: mwah, Yes. Right, right. It's exactly what you want for a book like this.
0: Exactly what you want.
1: Um so we we touched on this previously. Um I guess Peter Parker getting infected by the alien bug didn't take
0: no, but he does end up getting killed. Right. I kind of, I kind of like that Coulson kills them in methods very similar to their superpowers in yes the 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 original universe. My problem with that though, and it's actually a problem one of the few problems I have the entire crossover. What
1: the hell are they do to my boy Coulson here. Yeah, so he died. Okay, um, Coulson dies. I forget the circumstances, but but he dies and. Mephisto resurrects him, and and basically, from that point on, he's a sleeper agent for Mephisto.
0: I mean, I, re- I remember that from from my reading the Jason Aaron run of, of enders. It's just I yeah. don't like seeing Coulson
1: like this. No, me either. Me either. Uh, well, you you know what you know what they did? They made him Max Lord.
0: Oh, oh yeah, they did. This is Max Lord. Oh wow, right. Oh wow, Jason Aaron! <laughs> god damn you, Jason Aaron! No, m- no, Mephisto! Damn you, Jason Aaron! Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. But but that that's totally what his role in this is, right? Yes, he's he's oh god, he's Max Lord. Oh
0: man, and it's a whole commentary on like you know America, America under Trump, which was yep. you know still relevant at the time.
1: Well, because he's got the same hairdo that Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord has in The Wonder Woman. Uh, see, I haven't seen it.
0: Haven't uh, it's alright.
1: It. It's it's yeah. fine. It's I, People hated on it. I mostly liked it. It's not perfect. Some of the stuff with Steve Trevor is a little creepy, but overall, I thought it was fine.
0: Speaking of um, the Wonder Woman, Woman movie, did you notice in, I think it was the Weapon X issue, the artist tried very, very hard to make Power Princess look like Gal Gadot.
1: I, I did kind of pick up on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to this issue because it's so much better.
1: Yeah, uh, it is.
0: I really like. I, we're just talking about things. We really like at this point. We're not doing. We're not doing scholarly analysis here because we just it's it's candy. It, this is what this right. whole crossover is. It's candy. Mmm, candy for breakfast. Yum, yum, yum. Stomach the air? Fuck that. Uh, but. The encounter between Hyperion and Spider-Man, yeah, is really good, and it, it, it makes me like the Shutterbug issue even less because Hyperion right. is legitimately sad that he can't find his friend.
1: Which it also speaks to how oblivious Hyperion was to the the trauma he had inflicted on his realities, Peter Parker. Yeah, I just
0: didn't like that. I, I, I wanted yeah. a Jimmy a more Jimmy Olsen Superman thing, sure. But I guess the lesson from this whole crossover is if you want that, go read a DC comic book from before,
1: say two thousand six. Uh, they, 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 they're light and fluffy again, right? Actually, yes. The current runs of things are very good. Um, frankly, if, if you want a good Jimmy Olsen book, the the Matt Fraction Jimmy Olsen miniseries was solid. Hmm, I might go pick that up. Hey, Comixology, want to sponsor us?
0: <laughs> so we could be like, Hey, you can get that on Comicsology." Although I guess yeah. now Comicsology is part of Amazon and, like, Kindle and, you know.
1: Yeah. And their app barely works.
0: Uh, I'm willing to overlook that if they give us money. <laughs> yes. I have no shame. I've got this bills point, to pay.
1: At this point, we'll work for comics.
0: <laughs> oh, boy, will we. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's your
1: arrangement at the comic shop, right? Oh, pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I might have come home with another early issue of Moon Knight the other day. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about more Moon Knight on the show. We should. Anyway, um,
0: so we came into this crossover because we wanted to read a series where Nighthawk was awesome. Right, Trey. Yes? Did we accomplish that?
1: I think so. We read a series where Nighthawk is peak late 90s, early 2000s Batman. Like, the version of Batman who always is five steps ahead and figures things out.
0: Yeah. So, like, Grant Morrison, JLA Batman, which is pretty awesome.
1: Right. And because of the one-shots, we also got glimpses of sort of a Bronze Age version of the character, and we got glimpses of sort of the the expanded family of, of his character, like, it, this really is a. As much as it was originally presented as an event where Blade is the sole hero initially, like, that was sort of the, the pitch, is a world where only Blade knows something is wrong. This is really Nighthawk's event.
0: Yes. And now I want to go back and read the rest of Jason Aaron's run so I can see Nighthawk in the Marvel Universe.
1: Yeah. Post yeah. Heroes Reborn. Um, I do like. I'm just looking at the the last page of uh, Hero's Return here. Uh, there's one Mephisto off to the right side of the page, who is apparently superhero Mephisto.
0: Yep, yep. And there's also a pig version of Mephisto.
1: Yeah, but the superhero one has like a pentagram on his chest with an M in the center. So he does. And he's wearing a cape, and he's got the little Superman trunks. This is fair. I, I, I kind of want that version of Mephisto to show up in something. I'm sure he does. Some. Yeah. yeah. There's business Mephisto. There's there's a lot of Mephistos. A lot of Mephistos. And I'm also curious, going forward from this event, is Echo still Phoenix? Like, what does that, what implications does that have for the Marvel Universe? I believe she still is. Like, okay. at the
0: end there where they find um, the star brand has aged up, right. she is still the Phoenix. She still has the Phoenix brand. She
1: still has that outfit on, yeah. Yeah, so there she is. Interesting.
0: I, now that I think about it, I'm looking at that page where they find find out she's aged up, and you just have Blade, the look on his face where he's like, should I tell him? Should <laughs> I
1: tell him?
0: Yeah, I, mm, should I tell him? <laughs>
1: Weirdly, Thor is the only one enjoying the moment.
0: Indeed. She is a fiery warrior. <laughs> and this is what you get when you let a child be raised by
1: Rocketing Groot. This is true. Actually, Thor's expression very much says, "This is not a problem that I'm going to deal with." <laughs> <laughs> and Captain America's face says, "This is a problem I have to deal with." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: she was still a baby when I put her to bed last. I love the idea right. of like Steve Rogers just reading bedtime stories. Yes,
1: yes. But I also like that that Starbrand has picked up like all of the like like the profanity that Rocket was using all through the event. <laughs> I mean, it's not like she could pick up Groot's language,
0: right? Um, it's just a really fun, fun, fun crossover. It is, I, I, and, I don't... and
1: but I'm glad that I'm glad that the the previous reality wasn't totally wiped away. That all of the squadron are still there. Um, mm-hmm. That leaves open possibilities for the future beyond what they're doing with Night Hawk right now.
0: Yeah. Well, the squadron had kind of shown up, had been an entity. Because sure. Wilson was still manipulating them before the Heroes Reborn reality kicked in. But then when went right. high right. gear. Cause it doesn't,
1: doesn't Ross task him with putting together a, an American team?
0: Yes. And he's like, yeah. oh, I've got you covered. And he pulls out the squadron. Right. Uh, it's And, of course, there's a whole thing where, like, you know, um, I think Frost Giants attack. Mm-hmm. And they're tearing there in that whole event. And they march the Frost Giants into Canada. And it's like, not our problem anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a really good crossover guys. If you, I think a lot of people slept on it. I think a lot yeah. of people didn't give it a chance because I don't know why.
1: Well, I, so I think it, it came out right in the middle of the summer, and so I think people were not really primed to expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe there's a, there was some thinking that because Jason Aaron's stuff is so interconnected that if you weren't staying on top of those Avengers books, that you couldn't jump into this. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, I was not reading every single issue of Jason Aaron's run. I dipped in and out occasionally, and I followed this event just fine. Yeah, um, we we, we you, tried it both ways. Yeah, if you've been reading the Jason Aaron run, then this is very rewarding on that level. It pays off some things that are set up there um, and then sets up some more stuff that continues later in his run. But you can totally read this as a standalone event.
0: Yeah, Um so i think that does it for our look at heroes reborn it, i really recommend go out and check it out there's some real gold in here especially like that yeah. you know that marvel double action
1: yeah don't sleep on the tie-ins because some of the most fun issues are the tie-ins exactly exactly uh, um, and they do come in a separate trade that's one thing to be aware of there are two trade paperbacks one collects the main event and the other collects other oh, three Oh, that's right, because there's tie-ins part one and tie-ins part two.
0: Tie-ins part companion part one, companion part two.
1: Yeah, so the tie-ins are split across two trades, plus you have the eight issues of Heroes Reborn plus Heroes Return in its own trade paperback.
0: So if if you're like me, your local library may have
1: it, because that's how I read it. Yeah, yeah, always a good thing to check. Hoopla, hoopla folks, amazing service. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, And... That sort of in a weird way ending on a page full of fire and brimstone is kind of the perfect setup, isn't it?
0: Kind of is. Uh, that's right, folks. Because I, if, if you haven't caught on by now, although <laughs> I don't know how,
1: we've, we've not been subtle about it.
0: <laughs> um, we will be looking at Inferno over our next 10. Ten episodes,
1: Trey. Yeah, yeah, we are because Inferno is a long event.
0: <laughs> uh, we are having a summer-long event looking at Marvel's Inferno crossover. Uh, so you know, like like we said, pack snacks,
1: right? Um, like this event, we're gonna have a uh, several supersized episodes. I think a lot of our episodes are going to be like five issues. Uh, we're kicking things off with just four to ease into things, but just be aware these these episodes are going to cover a lot of ground. Exactly,
0: and um, we have actually had some feedback from listeners, Ooh, feedback. Ab- uh, yeah, about Heroes Reborn. Our coverage of Heroes Reborn, uh, you know, it's just comments on social media, but we do want to go ahead and give you guys a shout out. Yeah. Our good friend of the show, Barry Reese. Uh, reach out to us on our facebook page that's facebook.com slash tomb of ideas to tell us love the event and i'm really enjoying your coverage of
1: it oh thanks barry
0: thank you barry. and of course that's um author barry reese um writer of the used to be called the rook series now it's, i think it's called the peregrine series
1: peregrine yeah peregrine. i i actually have one of the paperbacks from when it was still the rook me too I wonder if they're collecting (laughs) items. But the Peregrine stuff is cool, too. Uh, Thanks, Barry. Uh, I agree. It is a cool event. I'm glad you've enjoyed our coverage of it. You know, we should have Barry on the show sometime. We should. We should. Pick something nice and pulpy. Yeah.
0: And we've also had some feedback on our Instagram from our friend Edward III. This one looking at Tomb of Ideas, number 87. Of course, that's where we looked at Young Squadron and some others. Um, mm-hmm. Great episode makes me making me tempted to reread the whole event. Also, answering a question we asked, we ask you to do that, guys. Um, Scott and Emma broke up during AVX, so well before Jean came back. Okay. Okay. They get along well enough now on Kokoa. As far as I can tell, makes Everybody gets along well on Kokoa, if you know yep. what I'm saying.
1: Yep. Yeah. One one giant mutant island of open relationships.
0: Which you know, as long as everybody's consenting and willing, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, if you want to reach out to us, we are we love if we would do so. You can do yeah. so on our Twitter um, while it's still there, as we huh. are constantly saying. Uh, Trey, I do think it's ne- time to announce that I will be the new CEO of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was surprised as anyone. I I got a notification yesterday and. Um, I, I'm gonna institute a mandatory Taco Tuesday. <laughs> uh, but you can reach us, in, until I do, t- until I am in charge and run it into the ground more so than it's already being run into the ground, you can reach me at Tomb of Ideas. Reach us at Tomb
1: of Ideas. Right. I, I technically do have access as well. I see those bits. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and of course, our email. You want to reach us the old-fashioned way, Shenny? Is it is it weird that like emails considered the old-fashioned way now? A little bit, a little bit. Because you know it used to be the old-fashioned way was snail mail, which were, I'm not giving you my physical address. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I'll give you trades. Hey. Uh, you can reach us at our email is tomb of ideas at gmail and you can of course reach us on Instagram at tomb
1: of ideas. Technically, trade you have access to that too. I trust that you're correct on that. <laughs> and, um, and of course, our entire back catalog is available on CinePunks.com. That's CinePunks with an X, uh, where you'll find all of our shows along with other great podcasts like The Carnage Report, Cinema Board, The Shameless, Horror Business, and much, much more. So check out CinePunks.com. Ooh.
0: And of course, until... We are infested by demons, (laughs) uh, which will actually be shortly. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Inferno is coming.
0: You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tomb members. (laughs) ex <laughs>